Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. How are you doing today, Jessica? I'm doing fantastic. I ordered Uber Eats from like a food truck and I didn't realize it was a food truck. I thought I was ordering from someplace else. And anyway, the food came. It was delicious. I can't wait to go to the food truck again. Uh, that, <laughs> like, to literally go there. That's pretty cool. I didn't do that much, actually. Uh, today <laughs> was just work for me. Uh, but this past weekend, uh, my sister's boyfriend was in town so i i re-watched two movies uh but wow. it's because my sister was watching them for the first time oh what were the movies creed no which i still say is the best sports movie of the 2010s Ooh, and then what a good movie uh we rewatched. well i rewatched, and she watched for the first time logan oh my gosh yeah she was uh, very (laughs) emotional for that one yeah i was gonna say i think i cried oh yeah no i i even you know shed a tear last night when i was rewatching it such a good movie yeah no it was a very it's a great movie great movie Mm -hmm. um and so we are here to discuss movies now we are we're not going to discuss the latest movie because there's really nothing out there right now to discuss Yeah. When it comes Although to we movies. did watch the 355, so Yeah, we did. That. that was like over a week and a <laughs> half ago and boy is that movie not great. Um It wasn't the worst movie no, we've ever seen, not. but then like we started counting down like all the things that were like wrong with it right. <laughs> like in the post, you know, post game. Uh, and then and, like, like the the distracting thing about and you could read about this if if you're dying to see this movie and don't want to be spoiled, just skip 30 seconds and you won't miss anything. But the fact that Bing Bing Fan was not really in this movie, she was yeah. photoshopped into the movie. She was green screened into the movie. And it was distracting because you, you noticed. and it, You it noticed and you were like, she's not really there. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yep. And it's because I could tell like they used a different camera when they would focus on her. And then like you could tell like her face, like the way it was lit was different than everybody else in the scene so yeah i caught on to that quick you caught it fast i was shocked yeah it was but it was funny to me (laughs) how how obvious at a certain point it got but so that that's basically our thoughts on 355 (laughs) now today what did we decide to do what we decided to do was hey let's count down something let's count down a list uh, make Mm -hmm. list so uh, we didn't actually consult with each other no, what we, we came up do. with two different lists. Two completely different lists. So these are going to be movie-related lists. Uh, they're going to be counting down uh, s- certain topics. So you have a list, I have a list of a top 10 of a certain kind. So now we have to decide who's going to basically go first here. Okay. And I have no good way of basically doing this. <laughs> We're like just winging it. We are kind of winging like, it on this one. So I don't know what his list is. He camera. doesn't know what my list is. No. No, we do. I I don't know. What's the best way to go about this? So, I was thinking a good old game of rock paper scissors and winner <laughs> gets to choose. They get to choose if they want to go first or they want to go second. And okay. so, our list we will be breaking down the choices that we make with our specific list, like why we chose this movie. I mean, we won't be like, you know. Anything. No, it's not going to be an entire Too long diatribe. in the tooth about it. But no, of course. Yeah. So 
Here we go. Let's play. It's going to be rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, wait, I got to put my hand back here so you can see it. Okay. And I, I have mine here. So here we go. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, hey, man. and I had scissors and Jessica had paper. So I get to choose. Yeah. And I am going to go first. Okay. I'm going to go first because <laughs> I think you're scared of my list. So what happened, guys, before a little preface this is that he came up with a top 10 and I came up with a top five. And then I was like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And Rico was like, well, I could do like the first five of my list and then we can like go back and forth or whatever. And I was like, no, no, no. So I made a whole new top 10 completely different list than what I had prepared in the span of like, what, five, 10 minutes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> before- so this, coming on. this is going to be interesting to see like how well like we talk about this. Well, <laughs> how well you talk about yours, but even me, like even how well I talk about mine. I'm not saying right. that I, I'm going to go super in depth, but so since I decided to go first, I will go ahead and let you guys know what my list is. It's a movie centric list and it is my favorite uses of color in movies. Okay. All right, so, so top 10 uses of color. In correct. Movies. So this could be as little as an article of clothing that I find like that pops or Ooh. it could be as wide as an entire scene. Yes. That color plays okay. a a big part of it. Wonderful. Okay. So now I did mention the clothing ones, but those kind of got left off the list. As I was Aww. cutting them through. But I thought you were going to go with like, you know, Schindler's List, the little girl with the red coat. That's and too like, obvious. And Oh. <laughs> but one that, well, actually two that came close to making the list and they were both clothing. Uh, one was uh, Django's blue suit from Django Unchained. The way when he first <laughs> really? introduces, it's, it's such a great use of that big blue pop because nothing else in that movie pops like that at all and it's still a lasting image in my head and then the other one is more of a nostalgic pick from my childhood and it's jim carrey the mask with the yellow suit the green mask like it there's just something about that combination that just works and it just stands out so you're saying those are the only clothing related ones and they're not on your list anymore? they're not on my list anymore i cut them out um so these are some of my other basically favorite uses of color that seems movies. like a whole different list of clothing yeah clothing so maybe like willy wonka's thing. like willy wonka's right. jacket and the hat like that seems exactly like, you know. so maybe it's a good thing that i left the clothing off it could be its mm-hmm. own list maybe down the road in some other fashion so i will go ahead and start with my number 10 my number Ruby 10 red slippers <laughs> still on it i know right if it's still on that'd be hilarious so uh, again, these are my favorites. These I don't think these are what people would consider the best uses of color. These are not the quote unquote objective, right? Because top ten uses of color in movies. Like this is your personal yeah, top ten. My personal and top ten. No, interpreting art and film and every music and everything else is subjective. Period. So. Exactly. Because Boom. if we were going with best, obviously the Schindler's List would be on here because it's such uh, yeah, a like, great know. use of color for you know what they did. So let's start off with my number 10. My number 10 uh, may sound a little basic, but I like the way it looks on screen. And it is the Bifrost in the first Thor movie. What the hell? <laughs> I love the way the color of the Rainbow Bridge pops 
when it's first introduced on screen. And when it's shot from far away against the blackness of space, Mm. the way the color just shines through and cuts through the middle of the screen, I love... It's a bit of a prism effect. Yes. And I love the way, not only how it's used there on, you know, when it's like overhead or anything like that, but also when they're traveling through the Bifrost, the colors that is are enrapturing the the characters mm-hmm. uh, as they're flying through the Bifrost. I love the way it's used. It's one of the only, only times that there is actually good color use in the MCU ever. <laughs> because most of the MCU is just like, hey, here's a colorful <laughs> thing and we're just going to dampen it and we're going to make it, you know, just flat. It's it's. It's a pain in the ass watching these movies when you when you want color in them. So that is Thor. Okay, Thor from the first Thor from 2011. Uh, I know it's a bit of a surprise. I can see the look on your face. <laughs> I can see the look on your face. It's a it's a little it's a little surprising. So yeah, let's go ahead and let's move on to my number nine. Yeah, what's nine? My number nine is from a 2014 film. Okay. It is an action movie, and it is the club scene from John Wick. Oh, I okay. love, but the first John Wick. Yeah, the first John Wick. First John Wick, when he's chasing, um, I always forget his name. But Oh, don't worry about it. But he's chasing them through the club, and the yeah, neon yeah. that that is just the blue and the red on the neon yeah, the throughout binary, the club. Uh, it's not binary. Uh, yeah, but the by lighting. The by lighting, yes. Yeah. Wonderful use of color, mostly throughout the entire series. Like, they do very well at but that first yeah. one in the first movie mm. just really set the tone for how these movies were going to be. And also, it just makes John Wick look cool as hell. Like, really cool, yeah. <laughs> being able to, like, go through the through the club and chasing them down, shooting guys down and all that. It just looks cool on screen, so... It's one of those things that just lives in my mind like, oh, man, I, I really remember that when I first mm. saw it. Mm. So that was my number nine. John Wick, 2014. I like it. OK. Uh, we're going back in time here for number eight. So we are going back all the way to 1955. What? Yes. And no, not 1955, like in the use of Back to the Future. I don't mean that. I was I mean, literally thinking like, oh, November 5th, 1955. No, the actual 1955. Okay. So this is a movie by the director Alfred Hitchcock. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, but No, but shameless plug, we did a whole Hitchcock series in 2020. And this movie did come up in that series. Yes, okay. One of the scenes that I'm thinking of is in the movie To Catch a Thief. Oh, stop. And it's the, the green. The, the green. green. Yes. Yes. It is the scene where uh, Grace Kelly is in the all white dress. And yes. then we have, mm-hmm. um, why am I blanking on his name? Carrie um, Grant. Carrie Grant. And he's in the tuxedo. They are alone in a room. They have the doors open. There's fireworks mm-hmm. going off. Yes. And the green lighting that is hitting the doors and the walls while they are in key lighting. Yeah. And almost in silhouette at times is mm. just incredible use of color, especially for a movie from 1955 that you don't really see that use of color that well at that time. 
it, well, because it was, I think that it was new. In Hitchcock's case, I think that uh, to catch a thief is pretty unique in that sense because he's doing like he's not just doing like camera camera work, fancy angles, and all that stuff. Like, no, he's like really experimenting with like the vibrant colors of the French Riviera. So. The fact that he's throwing like green on a shot just because it's like really stunning. Yeah. And it's it's so beautiful. It really captures. I don't know what it is. It's the moment feels seductive by itself. Yes. But it doesn't need the lighting to be seductive. But then you throw the green on it and you're like, what is this doing to me? (laughs) Right. It's doing so much. Just, you know, like you're thinking about it. It's like, whoa, this is like great to look at and is capturing mm. it's you know drawing me into this scene even mm. more i mean two amazing beautiful looking people already on screen <laughs> but then you throw this and it's just ridiculous so yeah. that is my number eight the scene the fireworks scene if i were to say from to catch a thief from 1955 mm. all right the next one is the most recent entry on this list Okay. And by recent, I mean 2021. Shut up. Yeah, I have one. And it's hard to nail down just one specific one because this movie does a good job of doing multiple uses of color throughout. And that mm-hmm. is The Green Knight. The Green Knight, the Green Knight oh, wow. has Whoa. a beautiful color scheme throughout the movie. But there's two scenes in particular that really stand out to me mm-hmm. when I think of The Green Knight. The first one is when he jumps into the lake and it's all red. Uh, The symbolism of the moment is great. I mean, the movie is full of like symbolic moments. Mm -hmm. Um, You can even talk about just the nature of the Green Knight himself Mm. and the green that you see throughout. And even the the monologue that Alicia Vikander's character gives about the color green and what it symbolizes, like mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one moment. And then another moment I really like when he's in the forest and the forest seems like this yellow, orangish color. The entire forest is captured. Like it's supposed to symbolize like it's early morning, but it's way exaggerated. It's not even close to what a natural looking forest would be, mm. but it just catches the eye and it like really draws you in. Those two moments in particular. So I couldn't, I didn't leave off one or the other. So since they're from the same movie, I decided to put them together. Just put them together. So that is the most recent entry that I have is The Mm. Green Knight, uh, because I think that movie is a beautiful looking movie. This is unbelievable that The Green Knight is on this list. I know, right? I know. But when I, so the way I was coming up with this list, and I think it's a good way to like kind of tangent this, is when I came up with the list, I immediately was like, okay, what scenes just popped to mind right mm-hmm, away? Mm-hmm. Right. So I took the, down those at, on my list. I put them down. Then I started going through my letterbox and looking at my favorite movies because that's where I'm going to get a lot of my inspiration most likely. Mm-hmm. And I start running through and I find a couple here and there. But The Green Knight was one of the ones that came to my head right away when I was thinking of colors in movies and mm-hmm. how it really makes you see a movie you know there's obviously there's story elements that you could see in a movie there's uh the acting is another way or even just simple dialogue but i think 
a part that you and I appreciate, but sometimes is mostly ignored, is cinematography, the use of color, the use of the camera, the way things can either linger, the the symbolism that either color or or articles of a scene could mean. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think is appreciated enough. So mm-hmm. so that's kind of where I was leaning to in this particular uh, list that I was making. So the yellow Selma, Selma Hayek, the yellow Uma Thurman suit from Kill Bill. That's a big one. That's a big that's one. A big it's not one. on my list, but it's a big one. <laughs> no, this is like the continuing like clothing list that I yeah, have. No, you have on like a separate one. tab. Yeah, <laughs> you have one in your head. Like, oh, I, I got this. I got this. Yeah, ruby red slippers. You got the <laughs> the red the yellow suit. I mean, there's so many that you can l- yeah. name there. So at number six, this is a movie that uh, we have talked about briefly on an episode. It was on a mm. on our. Now I'm blanking on the title of our own episodes, but it's oh. uh, our blind spots. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. Blind spot. See, episode. it was a blind spot of an episode. We have that we two have. right now. Right. So I talked about this. It it was a surprise that I had waited this long to actually like fully see the movie. <laughs> but it is in the opening scene of this movie from 1990. And that is Goodfellas. When oh. the bright red that is coming off of the car lights while they're digging up the body for um, Jimmy Bats. And when he closes the, or when they have the trunk open, and then it cuts to a brief moment where you see Ray Liotta's face, it's covered in red light, and that's Mm -hmm. when he says, I've always wanted to be a gangster. Like, Mm -hmm. the use of color in that is amazing. Martin Scorsese just chefs kiss. It's it's fantastic. (laughs) I know we use like the Martin Scorsese thing as a joke sometimes. As like a joke. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, he's actually a good director, you know? That's a, Yeah, that's the and we thing. also do that. We've uh the past few months we've also transitioned to like Ridley Scott is also a joke. Yeah, that's true. We have. We have <laughs> but like But he's like you know, a great director. He's a great director, so, but like yeah. sometimes we'll say, you know, I mean, we're not sitting here trying to Martin Scorsese it. You know, like we yeah. say stuff like that. So, you know, all in jest. They are verbs. They are verbs th- now, yeah. but, you know, they are still nouns. So Exactly. So, but I think that is like such a great use of color and kind of like a way of introducing a movie is just like crazy. We right. Well, red is so symbolic oh, of like, really you know, blood, and death, murder. <laughs> I, I do have another red coming up on my list. So I just want to. Okay, it has to be up. Taylor Swift's. Um, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you looked like oh I mean, well. <laughs> come on. All right, at number five, this okay. is from an action movie. This is from 2012. Yes, 2012. Okay. It's from a franchise. We also did a series on this oh. franchise. Oh, it's Bond, and it is James Bond. That is correct. Yes. It is Skyfall. It is the moment when he is up in the building and it, it he's yes, looking yes, yes. for the sniper. The the skyscraper the kill, skys- uh, kill. Yes, the skyscraper yes, kill. Yes, yes. And, and it's like all reflections in blue. Yes. Ooh. Such an amazing, amazing yes. use of color in that. And silhouettes. The Everything silhouettes, is like in like silhouettes. The mixture of black and blue in the scene. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. And it it's a kinetic fighting. And it's not, you know, they shoot it at a medium angle as well. So it really envelops those two characters that are fighting. The blue, the background that's happening and all the reflective glass. 
And so, but it's in silhouette. So you're not seeing their faces, but you're seeing all the action. I just think using that blue is just so smart and just unique because they could have filmed that as a regular fight scene where they meet up and like, it's like close cut and all this. Stuff. Right. Like they could have made it easier on themselves, right. but they had Roger Deakins as the DP. Yes. So <laughs> Roger Deakins, the probably the greatest cinematographer of all time when it comes to movies. I mean, He's in the discussion. I can't even. He's in the discussion for sure. I don't know if I can give you another name off the top of my head outside of Roger Deakins, but I'm pretty sure if we were to make a list, he's, you know, up near the top for sure. He's like the John Williams of uh, cinematography. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) There we go. There's other guys out there. There's other guys and girls out there for sure. So let me go ahead and move on to my number four. This one feels like a cheat because it, it's pretty much the entire movie. The movie is just full of color. And it is from 2014. And oh, this okay. is by a little known director, Wes Anderson. It is <laughs> I should have known. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that movie that is just movie. rich with color. Yeah. Like the purples and the pinks that are bombarding us throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. just looks incredible throughout. Um, I especially love the costuming of uh, Ray Fiennes, and mm-hmm. I always re- uh, Tony. He he's in the Spider-Man movies. He plays the. Oh my the jerk. god! You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays Holy the jerk shit, in the Spider-Man I movies. I forgot that he was in Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, he is. Yeah, so I would like to say that I should have known that Wes Anderson was going to be on your list because Wes Anderson deals exclusively in color and symmetry. Yes. And that makes for very interesting movies to look at, especially. Yeah. Um, Grand Budapest Hotel is like one of the best ones just for that. Yeah, because every single shot looks like a, uh, a photograph, like a mm-hmm. beautiful photograph, a set design. Hell, you can make cards out of them. And, you know, put them up in frames and it would just look amazing the way. Oh, my God. It. You just gave me such a great idea for home decor. Ah, see, don't don't ever say Ooh, I didn't do anything for you. OK, OK. <laughs> <laughs> so that is my number four Grand Budapest Hotel. If you've never Love seen it, it uh, check it out. I think it's one of his better movies. For, uh if, I would agree as well. Yeah. So and, and we watched the French like, Dispatch recently, and uh, we did. It was, it was okay. It, it was, was not, okay. Not bad. I think but I not, prefer not Grand best. Budapest. Yeah. I prefer Grand Budapest, and I also prefer what is it? The Royal Tenenbaums. Yes, it's grown a little bit more in my estimation. The first time I watched it, I was a little iffy on it, but it's grown a little bit more. I love the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, it, and I don't so ever love like Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, that's true. You don't. <laughs> so my number three. Yes. Number, oh, wow. number three is also a somewhat recent movie. Uh, it is from 2019. Yeah, 2019. And Do you have this memorized, the release years? Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, 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 wait. Let's talk about this for a second. Because so, yeah, all the movies that I've been saying are off the top of my head. Like, I'm saying the release year. You're saying the release year off the top from memory. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot do that. Yeah. Uh, Thor, How are you doing that? Thor is from 2011, John Wick 2014, To Catch a Thief 1955, Green Knight 2021, what? Goodfellas 1990, Skyfall 2012. I'm shaking my head. Grand Budapest 2014. And then this this next one, number three, 2019, <laughs> is Waves. 
<gasps> it is Wee. the party scene where oh, he is stalking yes. his girlfriend and mm-hmm. it, they're at a party and the way the the lighting it's like you know it's supposed to be kind of like a a club atmosphere atmosphere inside a house but yeah, it's a house party but it's very menacing the way it looks because whenever they would focus on his face the colors were like the negative use of colors like the red and this very very dark green and just so you like you could take symbolism out of that like rage and envy and just like all these things that he's probably feeling as a character but they're right. symbolizing it with the colors that are splashing on his face as he's looking at his girlfriend mm-hmm. and begins to kind of like stalk her through the party and i just love the way it looks on screen it is a tough scene because you kind of have this feeling of dread as the scene goes along. But the whole movie is pretty tough. Yeah, the movie is pretty tough. But that scene in particular, I just could not look away, even though I there's just this sense of something bad's going to happen. And so that was my number three. Wow. Yeah, we did a whole Waves episode during our uh, Florida series. Yes, we did. Absolutely love that movie, and I love that series, and we got to bring it back. (laughs) Yeah, we got to find a way to bring that back, that series. So that was my number three. My number two is from one of my favorite movies of all time. This is from 2016. There's a couple of scenes I could have chosen because I think uh, this director, for how young he is, is such a master of color already, and that is uh, Damien Chazelle's Yes. La La Land. La La Land. Now, ah! what scene in particular? I is it the dance? Yes, I picked the dance. Yellow dress dance. Yes, that is correct. On the hillside in in California with against the purple sunset. Yeah. I think it is just beautiful those two colors, the way her dress just pops on screen. Mm-hmm. Well, they're complementary colors. So. Oh yeah, they are. Purple and and uh yellow. And yeah, purple and yellow. I mean, even like the Los Green. Angeles Lakers, they <laughs> they use that as their color scheme, you know, like one beautiful of the most, scene. Yes. Beautiful. I completely agree with you. I think this would be on my list if I had done a list like yours. Yeah, I, it, it's one of the first ones I thought of when when I was making the list because it's so memorable to me. And mm-hmm. it's such a iconic image, even when you think of movies or even movie posters. That was the movie right. poster, like them yes. dancing and her with the dress as it's kind of just flowing as she's doing her movement. Mm-hmm. Like it is just an incredible use of color. Mm-hmm. And Damien Chazelle has mastered it with his first three movies. Even like something like First Man is a little more muted, but it's still very yeah, but well the done. scenes of the moon. Yeah. Oh, God. The just moon? Ridiculous. Co- yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous how good he is. And I can't wait for his next movie this year. This year, we're getting Damien Chazelle movie Babylon with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. I am ready. I'm so ready. So. Okay, I got confused for a second because I was like, Brad Pitt has already been in a movie called Babylon. But no, he was in the movie called Babel. Yeah, it, that's, a def, <laughs> that's a different movie for sure. That is a different movie. All right, and my number one. Yes, Probably drum roll. from... One of the most divisive movies oh, no. of the 2010s. Split apart a franchise for people. I think it's one of the best of the franchise. Other people will disagree. But there is one scene that almost everyone can agree on. And it is from 2017's The Last Jedi, <laughs> the red throne room scene. 
Yeah, that is a hella good scene. Hella good scene. Ooh. The color, the way it just wraps the entire room. Yeah. The red and how it just has this sense of there's power there and there's evil there. And as it's breaking apart with the fire and everything yeah. later on, it's so memorable. And then you have uh, the lightsabers, you know, when that moment when they slowly turn and the Praetorian There's a slow-mo guard, in there and that is a devilish slow-mo because yes, it's it really well placed. And I mean, yeah, you, you just kind of want to be there. And there's a lot of different movies you could say oh i really wanted to insert myself into the scene for whatever reason but like in this case like it's really cool like i want to be in that throne room like if disney came out with like a throne room the red room throne room i'd be like there just to take photos like don't put a character there i just want to take photos in this room. i want to sit on that throne take a picture of me there please yes yes please it would be great (laughs) i would love it but those are the most striking color uses to in my own personal thing these are my favorite ones mm-hmm. ones that i think of when i think of how powerful color can be in a movie how how much it could be used for just sheer you know visual uh moments mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for symbolic reasons i really enjoy the use of color i wish more movies would lean into more colorful uses instead of Something that I've I've had a problem with a lot of movies, and this is not just like leaning towards like superhero or whatever. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of movies that lean towards that faded, muted color scheme a lot. And mm-hmm. it kind of bothers me because there's so much rich color out there that you can use. And it just feels like a lot of filmmakers and photographers are kind of like just leaning back and like, messing around with muted colors and faded yeah, desaturating desaturating stuff. yeah so putting a filter yeah, on things exactly so yeah. filmmakers if you're listening and i'm not saying don't use filters and i'm not saying right. don't desaturate like that's fine but when everyone is doing it it feels like a trend and it gets dated really fast yeah and <laughs> like it's like the farmhouse you know home style of like cinematography <laughs> that is Ooh, i'm gonna to make i'm gonna make <laughs> let me just not even continue that thought because like i think everyone gets it when when i said farmhouse like home style oh, yeah. no i think we all understood <laughs> where you were going with that we were so like gung-ho on it for a long time and like i'm not saying that there aren't standouts with that style but you know try and do something different try yeah. different things and um color is Beautiful. Color and is useful. Beautiful and useful. Yes, I will fully agree. So that has yeah. been my list for Very my nice favorite list. uses of color in film. So I like it. Now, cool. Jessica. Yep. You yep. came up with your own list. I came up with my own list on the fly. So my original wait. list, <laughs> I totally want to say what my original list was because I still love it. So it was a ranking of Nancy Myers movies. Ah. <laughs> But Nancy Myers has not done a ton of movies. She is a writer director. So I was like, oh, I can't just do her directing stuff and I can't just do her writing stuff. So I combined like all Nancy Myers movies. Fair enough. Number one movie, I'll just give it away. It was The Parent Trap. The Parent Trap. The Parent one. Trap. Okay. At number one. Yeah. The number two trap. is Father of the Bride. Okay. All right. Three was The Holiday. The Holiday and number three. Yeah. I mean, 
three great movies. Um, the Order is interesting. <laughs> See? Um, that's an interesting order. Having I, I'm surprised recently... with The Parent Trap at number one. That I guess. Oh that's my god! I that. just rewatched it the other day, and it's <laughs> like a perfect movie. Yeah. All right then. I love the Parent Trap. Um, yeah, Lindsay I will die Lohan. on that soapbox. Lindsay Lohan. I, that's the saddest thing about the movie is like the squandered potential of like this fantastic oh, child actor. Man. Okay, <laughs> that was my old list. This is my new list. All right, here we go. Let's see what my your new, new list, list is. Top ten female fronted romantic period piece movies. Whoa. <laughs> Please say that again. <laughs> Top 10 female fronted romantic period pieces. Okay. All right. So yeah. I think I think <laughs> I might know, know where you might go at number one. I think. But okay. let's go ahead and let's go through the list. I probably now, haven't I did, seen all of them. But. I did keep it like they're all pretty much in the same uh, time period. Mm. Um. Like, I didn't go like, oh, period piece, 1950s. Oh, period piece, Viking era. Like, no, I no. didn't do that. So you're going to see a pattern emerge okay. very quickly. No problem. I, no problem at all. I am actually excited to hear this list. I'm pretty Are sure. Are you really? I'm pretty sure I've watched a couple of them. Um, uh, probably. probably. Yeah, there's a good chance all, that you've though. seen a few. No, I, I know that you haven't seen them all. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. So number 10 is Bright Star Bright from Star. 2009. Yeah. It is a Jane Campion movie. Okay. It stars Abby Cornish and Ben Wishaw. Hmm. Ben Wishaw, you know from I do. Uh, the Bond movies. That is true. And it's, uh, yeah, it's about the poet John Ke- John Keats and like the end of his life. And he, fa- he falls in love with um, Fanny Price. Okay, then. It is... Fanny Braun, my bad. It is a very slow burn of a movie. Okay. And I watched it when I was studying the romance writers. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I like knew his life and I was watching it like, oh my God, this is like, I understand like what time period, what he was writing. I understand like what. And I was like very intrigued by it. And then also the romance just very understated. They're not like, you know, having sex five minutes after meeting each other. Like, no, it's a true like she's poor he's even poor they can't get married he's dying he dies like he's sick and all this stuff so i really like bright star and okay. i rewatched it recently this is bad but it made me fall asleep but <laughs> it was so relaxing like oh, i don't know okay because the you, movie i was, was about to say like if a movie's making you fall asleep no 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 it's but. not relaxing like it's a snooze fest even though it is a slow burn i think that it was more like a relaxing there's not a lot of like, you know, big set pieces. There's not a lot of uh, music, so to speak. It's very like in nature. Mm-hmm. Okay. And natural sort of. And like it works if you know also John Keats's uh, poetry. Right. So that'll so help. Okay. That's it. Yeah. That's Bright 10. Star is Bright number Star. 10. Number nine is Little Women from 1994. Uh, so I knew this would be on the list somewhere. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Directed by Gillian Armstrong. Obviously, it stars everybody. Winona Reiner, <laughs> Claire Danes, Kirsten Dunst, Susan Sarandon, Christian Bale is Laurie, Eric Stoltz is the teacher. Um, Yeah, everybody's in it. I think that 
this movie kind of faded into obscurity for the general populace and then it kind of rose back up uh, when yeah. the 2019 Little Women cropped up again. I still really love this movie. Yes, you have told me this that you really I've told you this multiple movie. times. Yes. Yes. So that is number nine. Number eight is Belle from 2013. It is directed by Ama Asante and it's based on a true story. It stars uh I am gonna butcher her name, but it's Gugu Bathara. Uh Gugu and Bathara, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she yeah, she plays Dido Elizabeth Bell. And I'm going to actually give you a the letterbox synopsis because synopsis. you seem really clueless right now. Yeah, okay, I, Bell- I've never heard of it. <laughs> oh, you you have to see it. It's good. Okay. Bell is inspired by the true story of Dido, daughter of a Royal Navy admiral ba- uh, raised by her aristocratic great uncle, Lord Mansfield, and his wife. Bell's lineage affords her certain privileges, yet the color of her skin prevents her from fully participating in the traditions of her social standing. Oh. Left to wonder if she will ever find love, Bell falls, falls for an idealistic young vicar's son bent on cha- bent on change who with her help, shapes Lord Mansfield's role as Lord Chief Justice to end slavery in England. Ah, okay. I, yeah. I like the thought of this. Oh, I like the concept of it. I love it. I love it. So this is number eight. Number Bell. eight. Nice. Yeah, give it, give it a watch. Number, where am I? Seven, Becoming Jane. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you seen this movie? It I've stars Anne Hathaway. It, it's got James McAvoy. I've been meaning to watch it because it is on one of my favorite actresses list. It's one of her movies. I still haven't watched it yet. You have to watch it. It's from 2007. It's a biographical portrait of pre-fame Jane Austen. It is like wildly inaccurate. I do not <laughs> care. <laughs> I do wildly not care. That's I love it. I love Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway in an accent is like better than like regular Anne Hathaway to me. Okay. <laughs> you heard. You heard. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love this movie. It's incredibly uh, romantic in the sense that they have really good chemistry. Okay. Well. I think her and James McAvoy. I think McAvoy like, has chemistry. great chemistry with anyone he's on screen. Yeah, with. like he can like make love to a wall. Like I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it, it's crazy <laughs> the type of like magnetic chemistry he mm-hmm, kind of like mm-hmm. has just randomly. It's crazy. In, in this movie, you kind of just you totally believe that uh, Jane Austen is like madly, hopelessly in love with James McAvoy's character and that she doesn't know how to like disentangle herself from like her feelings. Ah. Like there's no chance, you know? Yeah. I so I really like, I like that about that movie. Um, a lot. Definitely watch it. We'll do. I'm going to say that for every movie, just global, well, yeah. global comment. Global watch comment. these movies. Watch these movies. <laughs> Perfect. Number six. I watched this with your brother, Miguel in the theater. It is a 2015 movie. Far from the Madden crowd. Ah, uh, okay. I never, I never saw it, but yes, he has talked about it. Oh my god! He has like it's it to me. so good. Carrie Mulligan stars. It's got. I am gonna butcher his name as well. Matthias Schonartz. I'm not familiar with the name. Actually. He's Belgian. Okay, but it's most likely Matthias. I think you're right there. Matthias. Yeah. 
I really like this movie and it's not particularly slow, but it's not particularly fast either. She's so dynamic and rich of a character Yeah, that it's like, I don't think Matthias, like his character has any like chance. Like he's like, <laughs> like just whipped immediately. Yeah. And like, he doesn't show it. Like, you're just like, this is like one of those like understated, subtle romances. And like, if they touch, you're like, oh my God, they're touching. Like, it's just like. Right. One of those. Yes. You're okay. just like waiting. There's like an intensity about the movie. And you, I love it. You know, one thing that I will say about period pieces like this and when it comes to mm. their romances it is those subtle moments where yeah. they get that first glimpse of you know of either seeing each other or even a casual graze of mm-hmm. skin whether it's hands touching or whatever yes can mean so much in in these movies and in this love story that mm. obviously we as a society i say we as a society have in the West. Yeah, in the West, in the West. Uh, we have become so accustomed to like, hey, they just met and then bam, cutscene to them like rushing into an apartment, making out and getting ready to have sex. So mm-hmm. seeing something that is so deliberately slow, mm-hmm. but that carries so much weight behind them. There's right. probably a scene that you might have in one of your movies. I'm pretty sure you have this movie on there, but <laughs> don't, don't I'm not going to say anything. Okay. If you have it, you have it. Great. But there's just so much to gain from having a slow burn in a love story that mm-hmm. I think we just don't appreciate here as a Western audience as much. And you know what? I'm going to go out on, on a limb and say that most men in general don't understand these movies. That is a fair statement. The general populace of male moviegoers just discard this type of movie as like chick flicks and they don't understand like why we're up in arms about certain scenes from particularly the movie that I will maybe have on my list later. But it has to do with quality over quantity, I feel. Okay, you know, what would you qu- say? What because what it's the quality of the what's the word skinship, maybe the touching, okay, or um, the level that the relationship is at that like warrants like finally holding hands or what have you that is meaningful. Okay, I see what you're saying, and then you add on, you know, it's a period piece, the constraints of society and all of the uh, faux pas and just etiquette that they're navigating at the same time, which makes it even more impactful. If, if I could use a, a recent example from, for me, um, even though like they, they do get into a courtship and, you know, become a couple, but the moment in La La Land when they are in the movie theater and you see their hands getting close to one another as they're about to touch and mm-hmm. then, you know, the lights cut on, but you're, you're like, oh, are they about to even hold hands? Yes. Like you're, you're anticipating this moment. It's not yeah. a throwaway. It actually means yeah. something. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be cool if we could see more stuff like that. Right. Um, not just in, in period pieces, because that's where I think we see most of it for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. Because otherwise there feels like there's no reason to hold back, you know? Right. Exactly. But 
I think there is always a reason to hold back because you get that feeling, that high of like these period pieces. Exactly. Exactly. So. Okay. Go right along. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. Okay. (laughs) Number five. (laughs) Number five. This is, I think, a bit controversial, but it's Little Women from 2019. Why do you say it's controversial? Because it's the same like it's the same content like the same ip but like twice but they're like wildly different (laughs) like movies that's the the thing i think they're different enough where you can have two interpretations of the same story Mm -hmm. on a list Mm -hmm. yeah so i love this version as well i think i like it slightly more because the central uh lori versus joe like standoff in their relationship when he like is like we have to have it out you know, I've loved you and I've quit everything you've ever wanted me to quit. And, you know, I stopped doing these things for you. And like, I think we'd be happy. And like, oh, my God, like the whole scene is crafted so much better than the 94 movie. And that I feel like is almost a climax in the movie. Yeah. To a certain degree. It kind of reaches that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, Florence Pugh's character has a lot more to do. That's Amy March. Um I just absolutely love this movie, even though I had my qualms with it. And actually, you can scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to what we said on the Little Women episode when we first saw it and reviewed it. However, I feel like this spot on my list is pretty comfortable at the number five spot. It's it's a very good movie. It's very good. Of, movie. It's one of my favorite movies from 2019. So, yes, I really <laughs> 2019. Yes. Number four on my list is Jane Eyre from 2011. Here we go. All right. Yes. Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. And this stars Mia Wasikowska and Michael Fassbender. Yes. Jamie Bell is also in it. <laughs> and Judy Dench as well. <laughs> <laughs> man, those are had some names right there. Those are some names, man. So I don't know if you've ever read Jane Eyre, but I read it multiple times when I was like growing up and in middle school and high school and stuff. And I really liked this story and i'm not sure why because it's a huge age gap romance <laughs> and you for i those hate who don't know, age gaps <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say the opposite just to mess with you but no jessica really hates age gaps i do Whenever i she feel finds like out about one she gets so mad oh, and she it's is just, me the wrong way yeah it does I, I i am very well aware speaking of age gaps like you mentioned uh little women just a, uh-huh, a second ago, yeah. and you know, our girl for Florence Pugh is dating <laughs> a man who's what twenty one years older, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Zach Braff from yeah. Scrubs fame. So yes, yeah. I mean, you. I love don't care that. who it is. <laughs> I don't care who it is. If there's a gap, it's questionable. Okay, Jane Eyre, <laughs> classic text, uh, and I I really like this story of this like shy, plain girl who is like doing a regular mundane job. She's like a governess and she falls in love with like her employer. Her employer is this old man. And I never understood. I guess I was always intrigued because I never understood why she got with Mr. Rochester until I watched this movie. And then I was like, oh, I totally get it. (laughs) Because (laughs) Mia, uh, I hate saying her last name, Wasikowska. Wasikowska. Is it, it ends in an A? Oh, I always yeah. thought it in an A. Okay. No, it's one's in an A. Okay, Mia Wasikowska 
plays Jane Eyre and she like looks the part. She looks young. She looks plain. She, you know, can pass for a governess, all this stuff. She like is channeling Jane Eyre. And then Michael Fassbender is around the age of Miss, of Edward Rochester in the book. And then I'm like, oh, wait, was I thinking of the guy as like a crusty old man the whole time? And then Jane Eyre as like this young 20 something. Uh. So it was like even more like bizarre. In this movie, it makes total sense that she would fall for Michael Fassbender. And I just love their their chemistry, you know? Yeah, I, I totally it get worked. it. I totally it worked get it. completely I mean, for me. That's another guy who you put in front of a person has great chemistry. Yeah. Michael Fassbender. But like he's also very intimidating in the movie. And I think he does that so well because Mr. Rochester in the book is like this, uh, like I said, crabby old man. And he gets that about the character is that he's like not nice. Yeah. He understands it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. so it's a very smart adaptation. There we go. That really understood the text, I feel. Nice. Awesome. Yes. That is great. Number three. Yes. Number three. The Young Victoria. The Young Victoria. Okay. Oh, no. You haven't seen this movie? No. No, Jesus. I haven't. Watch this freaking movie. It's from 2009. It stars Emily Blunt. Okay. It also stars Miranda Richardson, Paul Bettany, and Rupert Friend. Rupert Friend is the Orlando Bloom lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I know him as. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's yep. great. That's funny. Yes. So a lot of, you know, Mark Strong is in this. It's a very strong cast, but I cannot believe how good the chemistry is in this movie between Emily Blunt and Rupert Friend. I absolutely adore the couple. I love their appearing. I, it's very, he's very closely to actual history and um the cinematography in this as well is like mind-blowing really good um they have all of these shots of um like one shot in particular i remember is a very long dining table right like you know it's a royal dining table and they have set the table and everything is so perfectly aligned that all they do is change the focus like the depth of field so that all of you all you see is like Uh, all the rows of glasses like come into focus one at a time oh but like very fast like it's a fast shot oh okay and you're just like oh my god that's so cool because you're just like blown away by the opulence of it the number of people that are about to sit at this table the precision which with with which they put all of the silverware on the table and obviously the beauty of the actual shot which is very simple okay I so I, I mean, that's like one like shot in particular, but I love the whole movie. I can watch it like every week if I wanted to. <laughs> so Young Victoria. The Young Victoria. I will put it on my list to watch. Yes, definitely. Number two is Ever After. Ever After. Yeah. Yo, from 1998 or directed by Andy Tennant stars our girl Drew Barrymore. And her prince is Doug Ray Scott, a.k.a. the man who would have been Wolverine. (laughs) Oh, that sucks for him. But he decided that he needed to be in Mission Impossible 2. It also stars Angelica. uh, I would say Houston, but is it Huston? No, no, it's Houston. It's Houston. Houston. Yeah, I (laughs) there's nothing wrong with this movie. It is the superior Cinderella movie. Okay. 
I will. So what, I will fight on, people whoa, whoa, on this. On, let me go back. Yeah, so what? by superior, do you mean like better than even the animated? Yeah. Oh wow! One hundred percent. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Those are some shots fired. Yes. Okay. So, all right. So you think it is the better Cinderella movie? Yeah. I think that every Cinderella movie after 1998 is also trying to top Ever After. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And you know what? (laughs) I know. Um, I'm so happy to see that people are giving it the time of day on TikTok as well, because there's so many people using the sound, like audio from the movie. Okay. And it just warms my heart because I love the movie. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's it's a good movie. Don't You're like, I don't see it, but okay, it's a good it's, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Uh that is a You're bold being statement. It is a bold statement, and I I and couldn't you, wait to make it. There you go. All right. <laughs> awesome. So <laughs> great. No, it's a it's a great choice. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's a great choice. Number one. I think you know what it is. Go ahead. It's, it's Pride and Prejudice from 2005, yes. directed by Joe Wright. It stars our girl Kira Knightley and Matthew McFadden, Donald Sutherland, Judy Dench once again, Rosamund Pike, Jenna Malone, and actually Rupert Friend is in it. He is <laughs> in it. He's Mr. Wickham. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. So this movie is perfect. I love the the soundtrack, the the piano. Uh, Everything about it is so good. I think the cinematography as well. Yes, that's what mind really, blowing. Yeah, it, it really caught me by surprise how mm-hmm. well this movie is shot. Yeah, Joe Wright mm-hmm. is a good director, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I I love this adaptation. I know there's plenty more where that came from because people love to make adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, but um, I love I love this movie. It's a great movie. I own movie. it. And, <laughs> that says a lot. And it does speak to what we were talking about earlier and the st- scene that I the mentioned. The scene that, yes, yes, yes. Go where, ahead with that. You know, they're walking, a she, he is walking her towards the carriage. The hand. And the hand, when he places the hand, and then the camera follows the hand. Yeah. It is just wonderfully done because you know how big of a moment that is. Because up until that point, as an audience member, you... You're looking at these two and you're thinking it'd be good if they got together, but I don't see it yet Mm. until that moment, because that's when you realize, oh, he does like her. He does. You think that's the moment where you're like, oh, he likes her? Yes. he. That is the first sign. The first sign. I'm not saying it's like full blown like, oh, he's really liking her. But that is the first sign that he's actually (sighs) interested in her. Babe, let's talk about this because I think it's earlier in the oh, movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So we're going off script. There is no more list. We're talking about Pride and Prejudice. Okay. So I think that it's earlier, that it's very obvious that he's into her. And, you know, it was like at the party, at the ball and all that stuff where he's talking shit to his friend Bingley and she's very offended and all that stuff. Okay. That's fine. Not a good track record. Not a good dude. Not a good start. Right? Not a good start to the relationship. However, when she goes to visit her sister at the estate, like her sister got sick because she rode on horseback (laughs) and it started raining. Yep. So now she's stuck at his house, at her booze house. 
She goes to visit Bingley's estate. And as soon as they announce that she is here, you know, Miss Bennett is here. He sits up straight like they show it from Mm. behind. So like you see his back, you see uh, Bingley's sister's back as well. And you're just supposed to see her like walk in front of frame. And as soon as they announce her, he like stops what he's doing and like looks up. Right. His back straightens up. And she walks into the room. It's like very awkward because he's supposed to stand when she enters the room. He like doesn't. It takes like a beat because he's just like so like mesmerized by her like walking into the room. He's like and then he like stands up and like in a hurry. It's awkward. Okay. Okay. So like that right off the that's that to me is like, okay, sign number one. Sign number two is still like she's at the house. And that's when he is like writing a letter to his sister and Miss um Miss Bingley, the sister, is walking around the room, like chatting him up, trying to get him to look up from his piece of paper. And he's like not really doing anything, no, not really giving not. her the time of day. It's not until she turns to um, Elizabeth and says, why don't we take a turn about the room? And she's <laughs> this girl just walked miles to get here and she just wants to walk around a room. So like <laughs> Elizabeth is like, what? OK, fine. So she gets <laughs> up. But that's when he pays attention to them. To both of them walking around the room. both of them walking around the room. It was only when Elizabeth like joined her. And then they started like flirting back and forth like, oh, what can we make fun of him for? Like, and then he's like, there's only a couple of reasons why you'd be walking around the room. (laughs) (laughs) One is so that you guys can like talk and like make fun and have little secrets and I'll like break it up. But number two is, oh, you'll just get an exercise in the room, like walking around and I, I won't bother you for that. (laughs) he's like making conversation all of a sudden when he was like he was so yeah the letter yeah you're no nonsense like he's talking to bingley's sister like not even looking at her and then all of a sudden like lizzie gets up and all all attention he's looking at them he's not worried about the letter anymore he's like you know serving it back serving it back yeah you know what you you sold me on that that that. You got to watch the scene. And you know what? I'll go back to like my soapbox for a second and say that what a lot of women see in these movies is those subtle things, right? Yeah. And I love that about these period pieces is that like it's not an obvious text. No, it's not. You have to be paying you attention. You have to be paying attention. Yeah. Because which I love. Because then you don't if you're not paying attention, then when he declares and confesses his love, you're like, this is out of nowhere. Right. You're like, <laughs> which again, it kind of is for sure. A little bit. But for sure. If you're not but, paying attention, it's even worse in your own head. Yeah. You're thinking, what do you, why is he professing his love? He's never shown mm-hmm. anything to her. But again, it's those little moments, those little mm-hmm. subtle things. Those little things that are out of character for the character mean so much in the grand scheme of the relationship. Exactly. Okay, I'm so glad that 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 I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> and that was your list. And that was my list. Yeah. Do you want mind saying it for the people one more time what that list was? Okay. And then you do your list and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. This is my list of top 10 female-fronted romantic period piece movies. Number 10, Bright Star. Number 9, Little Women from 94. Number 8, Belle. Number seven, Becoming Jane. Number six, Far From the Madding Crowd. Number five, Little Women from 2019. 
Number four, Jane Eyre. Number three, The Young Victoria. Number two, Ever After. It's the superior Cinderella movie. Number one, Pride and Prejudice from 2005. There we go. So for me, my list was my favorite uses of color in film. And so at number 10, I had from 2011, Thor, The Bifrost, and the multiple uses of The Bifrost in that movie. At number 9, from 2014, John Wick, the club scene where he's chasing the kid who I always forget his name, but he was on Game of Thrones. Uh, Number 8 was from 1955, To Catch a Thief, the fireworks scene with Grace Kelly and Cary Grant looking their damn best against that green background. It is fantastic. At number seven, we have The Green Knight. And I could have said so many from this movie, but I picked out two. There's the underwater scene where the entire water is red. And then there's the wood scene where everything is this bright yellow, orangish color. The way it's used is just phenomenal. So at number six... Hold on, did I count this right? One, two, yeah, eight, seven. That was number seven, I'm sorry. Yeah, so number six is Goodfellas. Goodfellas, the opening scene where they're putting uh, bats out of the trunk. They kill them, they're digging them up, and the the lights from the back of the car shine on Ray Liotta's face as he you hear him say, I've always wanted to be a gangster. At number five, we have Skyfall, the fight in the tower. The silhouettes with the blue uh, billboard, the lighting, everything going on in that scene is incredible. Uh, At number four, we have just the entire movie of Grand Budapest Hotel. It is insane how great that movie from 2014 looks uh, by Wes Anderson. Number three from 2019, Waves. And it is the scene where... Uh, We have Kelvin Harrison Jr. His character is stalking his girlfriend in the party. The lighting is just menacing. At number two, we have La La Land. We have the dance between Mia and Sebastian that is on top of the hill. She is in her iconic, I think it's iconic, yellow dress. And finally, at number one, it is from 2017, The Last Jedi, the throne room scene. The red is majestic and yes. it is incredible so that is my list my favorite uses of color in film all right we did yeah. it we, we did it we each made our own respective list without really <laughs> talking to each other at all and i think and fairly little research as well <laughs> well that's that is true because i i went with more of my gut feeling like mm-hmm. what do i remember You know, like what are things that pop into my head when I think of color in movies? So I still consulted my letterbox list, but at the end of the day, I still went with my gut of things that really, you know, in my head, I'm like, I remember that scene or Mm -hmm. it stuck with me, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. So overall, I think this was a fun episode. I think it was a good exercise of us kind of thinking a little bit outside the box, you know, when it comes to just talking about movies, because I think a lot of people... When they talk about movies, you know, you talk about one movie or maybe a couple movies together, but kind of comparing and contrasting different movies in a list where you're kind of deciding what you prefer, I think Mm -hmm. is a cool exercise for us. So maybe we'll do this sometime again. 
Uh, yeah, we'll just come up with random ass top tens. And I like- know, just and just <laughs> wing it almost. Yeah. So if if you enjoyed this episode, let us know on social media. We are at Always Critic Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Once again, that's at Always Critic Pod. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can go ahead and rate that show right now on Spotify. If you have done that, why don't you go ahead and consider becoming a patron? It's the best way for you to get involved with the show and to show support. And you can go ahead and check us out on our page at patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. So, with that said, that has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica, and this has been the Always a Critic Podcast.